Welcome to the Opinion Combination Podcast. I'm KJ Pilfer, alongside Dick Briggs, ready to talk a little college wrestling. Now with the postseason in full uh, full steam ahead, we've had some championships here this last weekend, uh, including uh, uh, Grandview coming away with another title in NAIA. Uh, we had the National Collegiate Women's Wrestling Championships here in Cedar Rapids, which was a fun event um, as well. Uh, and of course, we had the qualifiers for D1, and we have uh, um, kind of the field starting to take shape at, at the D1 level for the championships in D2 and D3, um, and the NAI women on the verge of uh, their championships. Uh, pretty busy, uh, pretty busy weekend last weekend. Well, wasn't that fun at the at the uh, powerhouse with the girls with the women's uh, championships? It so, really was. Some great finals matches and a couple that were came from behind and quite a ways behind. So that was exciting and good quality wrestling. What'd you think of? Uh, you know, we're really used to watching folk style at the high school level, and you know, at the NCAA championships. Uh, what do you think about? Uh, uh, freestyle being uh, the discipline with the women's championships. Well, the I mean, we knew that going in, so it wasn't like I was surprised or anything. But um, right. you know, it's it, uh, with the college they've uh, adapted the, uh, the the freestyle, and you know, a lot of people get bent out of shape and think college wrestling and should and really all of wrestling, folk style wrestling, should turn you know change to freestyle and. There's this debate going on. It's been going on for decades. And, and uh, you know, I'm I'm all right with apples and I'm all right with oranges. You know, I like folk style and yeah. I like freestyle. So, you know, don't try and make one the other. You know, mm-hmm. you know there's, there's a couple of calls that were made this this weekend that that people would go, well, if that was freestyle. And I'm like, it's not freestyle, you know, you know, so it's, it's folk style. If they, you know, if it's freestyle, then they would have called it differently and but because right. it's folk style, wrestle it differently. And, uh, you know, so I, you know, that debate goes on and on. And I, I'm, I'm like, it's all right to have both. Let me have my folk style and stay away. Don't try and take it away. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was extremely fun to watch. I thought it was a uh, uh, really neat event. Um, you know, and, and one of the things uh, kind of on the periphery of it, um, the Iowa women, um, They're not competing right now. They won't compete until uh, the 23-24 season, uh, so next season. But uh, they came uh, and were spectators, and you saw them kind of fill up uh, a big chunk of a section to to watch the action on on Friday and uh, Saturday. That was kind of neat to see uh, them there. And, and of course, they'll be competing – uh, in this uh, event next year at the uh, Lion Energy Powerhouse. Right. We were on the opposite side of the arena on the floor, so we didn't have an opportunity to really to talk to anyone. And uh, But it was nice to, to watch them. There was probably, I'm going to guess, 18 to 20 different uh, uh, wrestlers, I guess, or members of the team, including a coach. And I don't know how many – they have they named an assistant coach yet? Is there on the team? Oh, or? yeah, Gary Mayab was there. Uh, they've got a full staff there, and I know Gary Mayab was there uh, as well with uh, with the group. Right, and, and of course, you know, Coach Stone was there. But the uh, so 
it was neat to see, you know, they were kind of cheering for, and, you know, had particular interest in some of the girls that were out on the mat. I don't know why they might have, you know, if there's someone that might be coming to Iowa next year or made, made their intent to come in the future, you know, uh, or if it's just a friend or a relative of, of someone on the team or whatever, but it was fun to see that. I got to believe they're up there just chomping at the bit, wanting to be down on the mat. And, uh, you know, so that was nice. And, and it's good to be there because you, you can learn from being there. So next year when you are in that, <laughs> uh, you know what to expect and you're a little bit hungry. It'll give you something to, you know, to look forward to for this next year as you're building your team. For sure. Um, and also remember, too, that uh, um, Felicity Taylor, who transferred to Iowa, had wrestled at McKendry uh, beforehand. So. She might have been there uh, cheering on some former teammates and and stuff, too. Um, you know, but it just seemed like they're being fans, really. Um, that's That was the impression I got without, uh, you know, tracking any of them down, that they were just there to, to see what it was like and see the competition. Like you said, there may have been uh, – uh, some recruits with them um, and stuff, but just seemed like for a good chunk of it, they're just being fans, which was, which was neat. Right. I had commented to you that uh, last weekend, that it'd be a good weekend to, uh, for the coaches to bring in recruits. Right. They can not only show them the university that, but you can be around the team members and, and man, that's when you get that family, that cohesiveness and, and you get to show that to recruits, that's a powerful tool. And that can bring in some bodies, you know, and, you know, they're still building their team you know, from scratch. So I don't know how many positions they have left to fill, but, but, uh, you know, you get 10 weights and you got to put some bodies out there and into, into that room to, to be able to, uh, to build a team. So I'm sure there was a couple of recruits there look like. As far as uh, the action uh, goes from, from that, uh, you know, McKendry had come in and won the first three, Team titles of the event. This is uh, this form of a national championship has been around since 2020. Uh, McKendry won in 20, uh, 21, and 22. This was the first year that uh, somebody other than McKendry won, and it was North Central that came away with a uh, uh, team title. Uh, I think they had three champions, including uh, Yelena uh, McCoyed. Um, at 170, she won her third title and four finals appearances. Of course, you know, she's been a member of the, the U.S. Uh, world team. Thought it was kind of interesting earlier in the season. Uh, she won uh, their conference tournament at the end of January. Seven days later, uh, she was uh, winning an international tournament in Zagreb, uh, Croatia. Uh, so in a seven-day span, she won um, at home uh, on the college level, went overseas, won internationally as well. I think her fourth straight international championship. And, of course, she wrestled at Coralville during the UWW World Cup for uh, Team USA as well. So pretty special there. And one thing about North Central, too, um, you know, they, they kind of swept the awards with McCoya being uh, the OW. Uh, coach Joe Norton uh, was coach of the year. Uh, but one thing, they, they can qualify up to 15. North Central and King University both uh, 
qualified the maximum. But North Central came away with 15 All-Americans. Um, so that's something that uh, you won't see um, again, I don't think. And uh, pretty special showing for uh, North Central, who talking to Coach Norton and uh, McCoy before the, the tournament, they admitted four years ago they didn't really have much of a program. But, you know, the administration, administrative support, uh, you got a, a high caliber wrestler like uh, Yelena, um, Joe Norton's uh, uh, excitement and passion for the sport, and they've built something special in that short period of time. Right, and it's and it's uh, nice to hear that. Uh, you know, Fifteen All Americans, holy cow! And uh, how many? <laughs> and how many finalists in national champs, KJ? Had, uh, I believe three. Three. I believe three. Uh, I'm not sure about finalists, but I. I um, I think three, uh, three national champs. I thought they had five or six finalists. Uh, the six sounded right. They had six finalists and three champs. Yep. Yeah, that's what I thought. So, and uh, some good, good wrestling. Uh, you know, great for that program, and they've really kind of set the bar now. And, and which is, you know, what you want. If you're the, you're have any sort of program at all, that's what you where you want to be out front leading and and uh, having people chase you. It'll keep you working, but it brings attention to your program, and, and it's going to bring solid recruits in. And and uh, Coach Norton jumped over from the boys' side, uh, I should say the men's side, to the women's side, and um, uh, has done a great job with the, with the women. Yeah, their other two champs were Madison Avila, Avila at 101, and then uh, Jaslyn Gallegos at uh, 116 to go along with McCoyed, who was also the Guerrerian uh, Award winner with – four pins and 748 uh, as well. So, uh, and, you know, McKendry, McKendry finished third behind uh, uh, runner-up King. Um, the interesting thing with uh, McKendry is they had three champs, um, two of them, and uh, Emily Shilson and then uh, Sydney Kimber, at 109 and 191, uh, they won their fourth title. So they became four-time national champs. Uh, first time that it's been uh, – obviously, there are only four years of it, so they've won it every year, and, and they become the first ones to, to do that. So uh, and I think they also had a three-timer in Cam Gearin, um as well. So uh, even though they didn't uh, come away with a team title again, they still had pretty special uh, uh, performances as well. Right, and Shulson was, was a little unique, if I remember right. Wasn't she uh, – didn't she start at Augsburg and then had three there and then one uh, after she transferred? Is that, is that, is that right? Yep, yep. Uh, transferred from uh, Augsburg to McKendry and, and also uh, kind of uh, – Interesting as far as, uh, you know, she had to come from behind, uh, I think, in both of her uh, semifinal and finals matches, uh, found out afterwards that, you know, she had, uh, uh, like, surgery. She's had some medical problems all year long. I think something had to do with her kidneys as well. So she was competing despite having surgery earlier in the year. Um to uh, kind of rectify some things. You could see she was, you know, pretty pale and uh, kind of hurting after a couple matches, and uh, especially on Saturday. And 
just she's been through a lot and uh, kind of inter- the the cool thing talking to her after the finals, she talked about uh, a rescue cat that she has, a three-legged rescue cat. Um, you know, they had, uh, I think they had to amputate, if I remember correctly, they had to amputate one of the legs and uh, they didn't have like anesthesia or pain stuff for the cat. And she was like, you know, the cat was able to make it through. And I can't, I can't remember the name of the cat uh, off the top of my head, but I'd have to, I'd have to look that up. But um, she said the cat made it, if the cat can take, you know, if the cat can persevere that I can handle this. And I just thought that was kind of a neat, uh, neat little story in that, you know, here this rescue cat that she has now uh, as a pet um, kind of kind of inspired her a little bit to, uh, to kind of deal with that pain and adversity. Um, so that was kind of neat, kind of different. That's a great story that she's able to draw inspiration from that yeah. the rescue cat. Wow. You know, you got to wonder if there's a, there's maybe a few a future Olympians that were competing on the, on the, in the arena. Um, oh, for sure. For sure. I know. Uh, well, obviously, um, mm-hmm. is a member, you know, she's represented, um, team USA internationally. Uh, you have somebody like, uh, Marissa Gallegos who's wrestled in the Olympic, uh, trials. She was, uh, I think the 126 pound uh, champ for Colorado Mesa. Um, sorry, 123. Uh, she's wrestled in the Olympic trials before. Uh, I know Sydney uh, Kimber from uh, McKendry at 191 said that uh, she's planning on giving a go for the 2024 Olympics. So um, I think she's going to stay at McKendry to. Uh, train and kind of help coach and, and train for the 2024 Olympics. So, you know, you very well could have seen a, a future Olympian uh, on the mats if you uh, if you attended this weekend. That, that's what I was thinking, yeah. And and I, I was kind of fortunate in that I did get to see a, 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 an Olympian. Uh, we had some Olympic uh, royalty there and uh, with Tamara Stock, and, and that was cool. She's such a, an awesome person, so do you actually do you actually get to wear her medal? I did. Yeah. So yeah, that was cool. That was a blast. <laughs> well, that, um, that thing is heavy. It's is it, it really? It's almost I think she said as 1.9 pounds or something like that. Oh wow. Yeah, so I mean when you put it around your neck, you know it's there. So that's pretty <laughs> cool. <laughs> so um uh Augsburg uh mentioned the you know, Shilson used to wrestle there. Uh, they still had uh, a couple champs as well. Uh, Katie Lang uh, came away with a title. Um, let's see, at 143. Um, and then uh, Marlon uh, Didi, who was the top seed at 155, both won for, uh, for Augsburg. And then uh, Anna... Luciano, who was the top seed at 136, um, she won uh, for King University. And, of course, that was one of those matches where 
Uh, she ended up winning eight eight on criteria, um, and it was a uh, it was a there were matches that came down to like the very end, or uh, we saw comebacks. That was one where uh, she was up big, and uh, Yaley uh, Ikak from uh, North Central stormed back and tied it um, in the final uh, in the final seconds, but uh, Luciano had the criteria, but there. It was another one of those fun uh, uh, championship matches, and, and the whole uh, the two day event was pretty entertaining. Right. So hopefully that leads into some some good uh, entertaining championships this weekend with Division two and three, and then of course obviously uh, uh, Division one men's next week, and I, I guess NA, NAIA women's this week, right? Right. Um, one more thing of note that I want to mention about the uh, women's collegiate championship that I think is, oh, I, I think is a sign um, of what's to come. Um, just with the growth, uh, Sacred Heart, uh, Sacred Heart coach Paulina Biega um, was the uh, NWCA coach of the year. Uh, the turnaround that Sacred Heart had, one of those few uh, D1 programs, you know, with Lock Haven, Presbyterian, <laughs> um, competing. A year ago, she barely had 10 wrestlers to fill out a lineup. This year, she had 10 qualifiers um, for the national tournament, and a few All-Americans. So, you know, for that kind of turnaround in one year, um, I, I think a lot of programs, if they, if, if they support and, and give the program the resources that they need, I think we're going to see more programs kind of uh, blossom and just kind of boom like that. Um, and, and I think Sacred Heart is, is certainly a, a good example to follow and, and something we might see here is Things really kind of catch on since they announced right before the championships that uh, the NCA uh, wrestling committee determined that uh, they have surpassed the 40 team threshold. I think they're at 43 programs now that are sponsored um, among all three NCA divisions to where they are in the process to be able to transition into an NCAA sponsored championship event um and not uh not just emerging sports status anymore um so possibly i thought i overheard some coaches say by 2025 that championship that's scheduled for the alliance energy powerhouse in 2025 because it's a three-year contract here with cedar rapids that could be possibly an ncaa tournament Nice. All right. So, That's cool. So hopefully everything keeps progressing and, and moving towards that and they're able to turn things around. But uh that would be uh that would be pretty cool to see. And and add to that, if the growth continues like I think that they want it and hope it to, to do, maybe they'll even go you know, have to have a couple of divisions until they get to the point where they're gonna do all three levels. 
So, um, you know, and it's and back to the, back to the coach of the year. That's really great that the coaches and the, and those voters didn't go, well, uh, you know, North Central won it and they had 15 qualifiers and had 15 All-Americans. That's coach of the year. It's great that they noticed that the, the program, the growth of the program uh, at Sacred Heart going from, you know, hardly having 10 in the room to 10 qualifiers. I mean, so you see that girl that I'm really, that's neat to see that. And, and you know, the college college coaches, I mean, they, they earn their, their uh, teams on the recruiting trail in, in any sport. I mean, you, I mean, you, you can't, you know, there's an old saying we said, you can't make chicken salad up, you know. Uh, chicken poop, yep. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so you got to get out there and get those quality athletes and those that are that are dedicated to the sport and to the team and the school and so forth and into their studies. And and so uh, right. that's uh, that's neat to see that. So. Uh, well, let's, uh, let's transition to the D1 qualifiers that were this weekend, specifically the Big Ten and Big 12. Um, started at the Big Tens in uh, Ann Arbor, Michigan, um, University of Michigan hosted, and uh, Iowa came away with 10 uh, automatic uh, qualifiers. Um, so they're sending all, all 10 to Tulsa here. They'll be this time, uh, uh, about this time next week, we'll be in the pre-tournament uh, uh, press conferences, but um, Iowa sending all 10, and, and I tell you, even though Penn State won like uh, like it was expected, um, I think Iowa wrestled about as well as they could and really, really kind of challenged Penn State probably as well as anybody. Right. And, and Iowa wrestled one above their seats. So, you know, you know, basically. So they were basically right at their seats. And they had their two champs. I mean, they, you know, Iowa's mentality is it's not good enough. We're not happy. We're not satisfied. But really, you know, they, they wrestled very well, I thought. They don't, have, they don't have much to be disappointed with. In particular, I thought Nel, uh, Nelson Brands did a great job. And okay. Muren, I was happy with Muren jumping up one. He was a four seed, got, got third in that very, very tough 49. I thought that was a tough, tough weight class. And Patrick Kennedy uh, jumping up uh, second to third. Uh, mm -hmm. third to second, I mean, at 65. But... Uh, um, you know, if, if anything, maybe, and maybe this just goes with his style, uh, Kobe Seabrook, you know, dipped a little bit and, and, uh, but that, you know, he, he got, he got behind in that match and, and it was hard to play catch up in that, in his first loss. Right. Uh, that was, that was a tough battle there. So, um, but really, you know, I'm nitpicking there, uh, you know, Kobe's not going to be satisfied and certainly the coaches aren't. So, right. uh, so that kind of keeps them hungry for this, you know, for the Nationals. Like they're sitting pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I'm really impressed with uh, uh, Nelson Brands. Uh, when it, you know, we kind of said it last week, right? He's going to be in those matches. It's just a matter of whether or not he can, you know, fire off that uh, that one takedown or, or or get a couple scores, and, and he was able to – to really uh, uh, conjure up the offense when he needed it and win some close matches. And that allowed him to uh, finish above his seed. Um, thought Brody Teske, Brody Teske was a warrior, got uh, beat up, cut up uh, uh, quite a bit. Um, 
you know, and, and grabbed one of those automatic bursts at uh, at one thirty three. Mirren did a good job. How how strange is it for a wrestler not once but twice have matches go into concussion protocol for their opponent? Uh, two totally different circumstances, and, and then come away with uh, a victory like that, like with Max Mirren. That was that was a strange and, and rare situation for for him. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever seen that happen. Um, and it's not something everyone calls attention to, but it did happen. And and uh, um, yeah, that was that. What do you say? I mean, you've got to protect that athlete. And, oh, and, sure. So um, there, you know, every uh, trainers are not going to put an athlete out on the mat or coaches, coaches or referees. You know, and and uh, jeopardize that not only that athlete, but quite possibly their self, their you know their careers or whatever. So um, they've got to uh, exercise caution on, on those, and and oh, you yeah. might see that happen. They go into concussion protocol, and then they they get uh, they're not allowed to finish that match, but then they might be allowed to come back later in the tournament. Usually not, but but you know if that happens, then that's good because the athlete's okay and, and healthy, but. Uh, you know, so yeah. That, that's, yeah, that was strange. And especially with it being a qualifier, I, I mean, I think it would be an easier decision to kind of pull the, you know, kind of pull the, uh, the string on, hey, we're, we're done. Right. Um, you know, we're, we're not gonna, we're, we're not gonna benefit by, you know, going out there in case he, you know, trainers aren't going to send them out if they're not okay. That's not what I'm saying. But it's easier for a coach to say, you know what, just we'll default here. You know, Yaya Thomas, who is one of them, you know, you're going to, your seed is not going to get hurt that much by not wrestling a consolation match or two. Uh, it's not worth the risk. Let's just call the weekend, get ready for Tulsa, and, and you can recuperate and, get better. Same with Peyton Omania from uh, Michigan State, too, even though I think uh, Omania might have come back um, later on and, and wrestled, but you know, yeah, just kind of a strange th thing there. Um, I thought it was kind of interesting, you know, Spencer Lee uh, won his third Big Ten title, um, became the 19th uh, Hawkeye to win, uh, to be a three-timer. Now they're uh, eight who are four time champs. Um, so excluding those four timers, he's the 19th three time uh champ conference champ for the Hawkeyes. Uh, he won his 55th straight uh match, I believe he's had 95 career wins. So, uh, NCAA title would put him right at 100 career victories for uh the Hawkeyes. Um, but the thing I thought was kind of interesting is that uh, he said afterwards he only considers himself a two-time champ. He doesn't count 220, uh, the, the 2020 um, championships, since they didn't wrestle the NCAAs. He doesn't count that, so he only considers himself a two-time conference champ, which um, I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah, 2020 is always going to be when you're talking with about the women and the you know, winning in 2020. I got kind of jealous there, you know. Yeah, because they, uh, the interesting thing is the women and NAIA remember 
they were able to get their championships in the week before everything got washed, wiped out. Right. It was actually this week. Uh, what's today? We're, we're recording on Wednesday. So it was actually tom- tomorrow in 1920, or t- 2020 that the, t- the tournament was canceled, you know, about mm, four o'clock in the afternoon, I think. Sad, sad day. I won't forget that one. Ever. I still, I'll still remember that day in kind of infamy. Yep. So um, yeah, yeah, the Big Ten's not a lot of surprises. You know, a couple here and there uh, in championships. You know, not not Iowa championships. I guess there's a couple surprises mm-hmm. there, but but uh, um, good hard battles, and, and you know you're going to have that. I mean, the, you're going to have that at nationals too. It's it's a, such a competitive conference, and now we throw in the rest of the nation. It's going to be fun. It always. Right. Is. Uh, should mention Spencer Lee was named Outstanding Wrestler of the uh, Championships. He was also named Big Ten Wrestler of the Year uh, as well. Um, so all that, that's a, a pretty good feat. I think the third time he's been named Big Ten Wrestler of the Year. Um, you know, Real Woods, Real Woods had a real tough uh, finals match with Brock Hardy. Um, but came, came away with a title and, you know, you mentioned Patrick Kennedy, uh, that win over, uh, Cam Amin in the semifinals, that was huge. And, um, you know, I, I thought he wrestled okay against Hamity. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, good showing there, uh, for him. Uh, the one, I think outside of Iowa that really kind of stands out. What about Silas Allred? Yeah. Yeah, the 97 pounder from Nebraska coming away with a uh, uh championship and beating Max Dean in the finals. So uh you know, Nebraska had a pretty decent uh tournament. Minnesota had uh a good showing as well. Had a couple finalists including Michael Blockus who was the runner-up at 149, tough weight class that you kind of mentioned. So, um, you know, uh, some other teams with some positives there. Right. Um, Minnesota came out of the gate gunning. They they had the lead, you know, early on in the tournament, which, you know, when you have uh, lots of pigtails and not a lot of uh, high-seated guys, maybe you're going to get that. But they they did a good job, and, and uh, Nebraska as well. So I, I agree 100% with those two. And uh, is is all red? What year is he? You know, oh, that's a good question. So uh, the, the Dean, the defending national champion, we failed to mention that, but remind folks. But but uh, yeah, that's that's a huge win over the defending champ. Yeah. So uh, all red is a redshirt sophomore, according to the. Uh, um, Nebraska uh, website um, looks like uh, he just wrestled seven matches uh, uh, last year um, and redshirted as a freshman. Um, he had some extra matches and and stuff, um, but um, he really kind of broke out. I think uh, turned some heads. Oh, no kidding. Jeez, that's not a lot of uh, a lot of history there. Oh yeah, right, right. So you know he uh, 
he had a big weekend and that'll help him for uh Tulsa as well. Uh any other final comments from uh from the Big Tens or anything that really kind of kind of stood out there? Um I guess uh, um other than, than Rob at 57 losing uh from Nebraska in the finals. Well, Haynes is a true freshman coming away with uh uh title and that big win in the in the finals. Right. So I I'm guessing that uh uh Kale Sanderson's glad he uh he made that decision to to pull Haynes's shirt off and it's uh paid dividends for for them and Penn State who had uh what four champ three champs uh RBY who RBY Haynes Sorochi and uh Brooks four right they had six but uh you know big wins from all red at 97 and then Mason Paris uh on his home uh mat uh beating uh Kirkley so was the stall call there to take it in overtime did you agree with the stall call in Paris the Paris match Oh boy, I that's that's tough. I, I agreed with it. I thought he was stalling. He was playing the edge earlier, so I didn't have any problem with it. So plus it made for exciting wrestling in the in the sudden victory. <laughs> you know okay, so as a former heavyweight, one thing I have to appreciate um from that match, and it's the winning takedown. Okay. I don't think people understand, you know, they, they look at heavyweights and, and they see just this push and pull and they think it's boring and they don't understand just having somebody, you know, having to deal with that type of mass, how much that, that really kind of wears on you. Right. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when you have somebody that big and that strong and you're pushing and pulling and, even if it looks boring from the outside, that takes a toll on you. And for nine minutes, uh, him and him and Kirkley did that, and they had some they had some good action throughout the match. But the power for him to drive through Kirkley for that winning takedown right. after nine almost nine minutes of wrestling, that was impressive. Absolutely, for me, I really. I really saw that in my I, I was just like, oh wow. That I think that might get overlooked sometimes, but for him to be able to do that and power through Kirk Bleat the way he did, that was impressive for that winning takedown. I thought anyway. Absolutely. You're right, spot on. And you can say that pretty much at any weight class, you know, because right. with the little guys, but especially with those big guys, because now there's a bigger differential possibly, and those guys are strong. But yeah. uh but uh, in you know, you know some some would debate me and say, well, if if Paris uh, um, deserved the call at the end, then maybe Kirkley de deserved it at the beginning, and I wouldn't dispute him either. You know, if Paris was busy and he was, he's he's an active heavyweight taking mm -hmm. shots. And, um, but uh, when when he got the lead and he was shut down a little bit, I, I thought, oh man, here he's going to get called, and he didn't. And then when he did get called, I thought that's kind of odd time to call it, but right. but. Uh, but uh, you know, so that was that was the only thing on that. But yeah, it was fun. Made for I think it was 
it was a better call than what Woods dealt with in his match. Yeah. Um, the uh, the the stall the two stall calls one that were so close together, and second he's calling Woods for stalling underneath when Hardy has a leg in and has his uh, has Woods' leg lifted up off the mat to where he can't even get his knee down to build a base. Right. And you're calling, calling the bottom guy for, for stalling. Cause I mean, what, what's he expecting him to do? Right. That, I call that a high thigh ride and you're right. You cannot move when you've got your hip isolated like that. And he's got his back arched and front hips, hips coming down. There, I mean, that's an issue in college wrestling right now. You know, the, 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 Typically, the bottom guy gets called when the top guy is covering hips and, and he's not getting out to the side. He's staying parallel. And, and uh, you know, that's and – I, and I guess that's how they want it called. But, but mm -hmm. I agree with you. Yep. Mm -hmm. and, and Woods and Hardy, I tell you what, two things about that match really quick. The, the scramble and the flurry at the end was really – showed a lot on both of them, um, you know uh, – that, that was a heck of a scramble there um, at the end. And then the mutual respect afterwards. Uh, you know, the, the two of them kind of kind of smiling at each other, saying, hey, you know, that was a good match. You know, that was a good go, good match. And then shook the other opposing coach's hands. And then when they came back, gave each other uh, kind of a hug again. And, you know. Uh, maybe I'm getting old and sappy, but I, I appreciate that mutual, you know, the gestures of mutual respect a little bit um, more like that. You know, I'm, I'm like you. I, I appreciate that so much. And, and I saw a lot of that this weekend, you know, and, and, uh, and, and really we saw that at the girls. I mean, they were really great about it. You know, you know, one person's hurting the person that didn't get their arm raised. And, right. uh, you know, so, you know, I see, you see sometimes people out there showboating and, you know, look at me and, you know, raising hands and do that. And, and a little bit of that's all right. But, you know, when you're doing it, remember, you're doing that in the face of, of the other person. So be a little bit respectful. That's, that's a, a great opponent that you just wrestled. And, and uh, you know, so, but it was really good for the most part this weekend. And hopefully, you know, in the, you know this coming weekend and next weekend, we'll see a lot more of that good sportsmanship. And uh, not the other side of it that we've seen a lot of too. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, let's transition down to Tulsa, uh, uh, where uh, the Big Twelve championships were. Uh, you and I and Iowa State are going to make two uh, trips there in, in as many weeks, um, with the Nationals being in the Box Center uh, as well, BOK Center, whatever it's called. Um, but. You know, what was your take? What was your take there? I know uh, you and I probably not real. Well, probably not real thrilled with uh, uh, the performance there. Iowa State, you know, ended up third. Um, you know, Missouri coming away with a win. Okie State second, just three points ahead of Iowa State. But what's your takeaway from how the the two Iowa teams performed? I think Iowa State has to be happy. Uh, they wrestled nine, nine uh, spots above their seeds. Okay. And, uh, you know, they, they, you know there's, there's spots when they're going to go, well, we should have won this, we should have won that. Yeah, but, you know, overall, 
they wrestled nine and, and, uh, you know, and that's not bad. And then, uh, though, I mean, really the only one that was wrestled below the seed was uh, younger Bastida at 97 and he's still a qualifier and right. he, he might've lost a seat here and there, but everyone else, I think wrestled really, really well. You and I, oof, you and I wrestled 13 spots below their, below their seeds. 13. Wow. Um, and then that, I mean, they had guys that were seated in, in spots to qualify that didn't even place. And, uh, and sadly, that was one of our, one of our buddies in, in Kale Apple, but uh, it, it, just to name one, they did qualify five automatic qualifiers. Uh, and of course they had their champion, they had, uh, you know, Parker Kikaisen, uh did his, uh, kept the, the string alive for the, for the Panthers <laughs> from 2008. Yep. Uh, Panthers have won that uh, 184 weight class. And so he's, uh, let's see, he's had three of them. And then, uh, help me out, KJ. Uh, oh, Taylor and Lujan. Lujan had one and Foster had two, right? Is that right? Right. Yeah, there yep, we go. Correct. And so, uh, so we've got six in a row for the Panthers at 184. Um, then, you know, the other bright spot I thought was, uh, was at heavyweight with Terrell Gordon. Uh, he had a good weekend. He was seated seventh and finished fourth. So, yep. Good for for Tyrell on the on the Panthers side. So, yeah, he was one. He was one when we were talking uh, uh, last week that I said I thought I think we both said uh, we thought could wrestle above that that seven seed and and he did put together uh, um, a pretty good tournament. Right, and uh, you know so that was that was nice. That let's see the who, their automatic qualifiers. Let's see. Um, uh, Kyle Biscaglia, uh, Biscaglia at 133, Colin Real at 149, Austin Yant, who uh, um, was unseated, I believe, um, and came away with uh, one of the automatic uh, bursts at 65, and then Kekheisen and Gordon uh, were the automatics uh, for you and I. Right. So, and Yant's the other one, obviously, like you said, the unseated that ended up. So they took eight there. So he, what did, what was his finish? Oh, I'd have to, I'd have to look that up. I was thinking right, maybe, so maybe right, six, fifth right or six. Yeah. So yeah, good, great job there. And then the, then the two, um, two, two guys that did not, uh, were not automatics that were uh, at large editions yesterday that when they came out, uh, Lance Runyon was one of them, right? No, Runyon did not receive. And oh, was it uh, yet? Was he yet though? Oh, Hoslog, Hoslog, Hoslog. Hoslog, yes. Right. Apple and Hoslog were the only two, um, uh, for you and I. And actually, Iowa State didn't get any. I knew Kabamban wouldn't just because he didn't have enough matches to qualify. Uh, Broderson actually, I think probably was on the bubble. Um there because you know he was in the high 20s for the rpi and the coaches poll um but then again you know for those at larges you're kind of at the mercy of who qualified um in the other conferences too right. uh, and who got knocked out of uh you know those automatic spots into the at-large pool and you know obviously that didn't work out for for him uh goal for was 
maybe a little bit more of a long shot at 125 for for you and I, but didn't get it there as well. And Runyon, I think the only thing that really hurt Runyon is the fact that he didn't he didn't have uh, a lot of batches uh, under his belt to to kind of get into that threshold um, for a berth. But yeah, Yant was fifth. Uh, uh, fifth. Yep. So you did a great job. So, uh, and then also, you know, you know, Broderson was an unseated athlete that finished eighth. So he was just shy of, of qualifying. I think they took uh, six at that weight, but mm -hmm. eighth and, and, uh, you know, so good for him. I mean, he was not, not, you know, seated. So um, he did a good job of getting up on that podium. And uh, the one thing kind of going over the qualifiers for you and I that I think is, is kind of interesting. Um, Happel, who was an alternate last year, out of their seven qualifiers, Happel is the only one making his first appearance. So Biscogli is making his second. So is Real Buto and Holschlag uh, and Gordon, Yant and Kekeisen. Um, are making their third appearance um, with Keck Eisen obviously being a two-time All-American. Um, the thing is, so that tells me there's some consistency there. You know, uh, Doug Schwab has always talked about how he doesn't want to be a UNI program that's good for one year, falls off for three or four or five be good for a year, then fall off for, you know, three or four years. Um, you know, when you have this many people making return uh, visits to the NCAAs, I, I think that's a, a, a sign of consistency. Now it's, now it's going to be making, you know, being consistent, getting on the award stand at the NCAAs and improving that team finish. But I, I think this is, uh, certainly a, a positive uh, for you and I seeing that guys are making multiple uh, trips. Right. And, you know, as to that, what you're speaking of, you know, having one good year and then down a couple, you know, that, that there's a lot of things that play into that. One, you've got to bring in, and we talked about this earlier, a, a college coach in the recruiting, that's where they, they make their, make their bread. Right. And they, uh, right. You get in good quality athletes, you can do that because they're going to they're going to be, you know, at the national level early on in their career. Um, you, you also have to have a program that does that, you know, that, that draws that kind of an athlete. So you and I is doing that now. And then uh, and then also you have to have the, the financial support. I know every you know, the colleges are, are locked in at their nine point nine or whatever it is scholarships. Mm -hmm. And and uh, but, you know, that's still you know, it's not just those seven or eight. I'll say 10 starters. It's the people that are in the room building those starters and making them better athletes and that are also part of that, a major part of that program. So you have to have quality workout partners and it can't always be the, the guy a weight above you or the weight below you. It's got to be those other guys in the room that are pushing you and making you better. Right. Uh, Iowa State, uh, I think you mentioned eight automatic qualifiers. Um, Obviously led by uh, David Carr and Panero Johnson, who won uh, individual titles. Both of them beat uh, Missouri uh, opponents in the finals. But 
we probably bury the lead a little bit here. David Carr, a big win over Keegan O'Toole in a battle of uh, national champions. Uh, Carr, a 2021 um, NCAA champion. Uh, O'Toole, a defending national champ. Uh, Carr with uh, uh, a takedown in overtime that led right to a cradle putting uh, O'Toole on his back and then getting the fall uh, in 738. But uh, second time in uh, four matches for Carr getting wins over O'Toole, beating him in the uh, duel to end the regular season for the Cyclone starters. And um, just uh, another impressive feat for Carr, who is named the uh, most outstanding wrestler of the Big 12 championships. Right, and deservedly so. Uh, man, those two athletes are something else. You know, Carr, you know, I was a little concerned last year when he bumped up. Didn't know if he'd be able to, his body would fit into the weight class. And now I think he looks solid. He looks good. I mean, I, I mean, he's, you know, uh, I've never been much of a question, really. He's just kept chugging away and kicking butt most of the time. I stumbled a little <laughs> bit, obviously, at Nationals last year, but. But uh, he's going to be a force to reckon with. And if this if this is the finals at Nationals, look out. I mean, it may not be a high-scoring uh, match, but it's going to be – you're going to be on the edge of your seat the whole time. Right. Because that's those guys, they wrestle well. It's fun to watch them. Uh, it was kind of interesting, too. Uh, Carr got dinged for stalling, like, right at the – towards the end of regulation when he was up by a point. His second stall call and um, – you know, he kind of looked over to the corner a little bit confused, found out afterwards he didn't realize he had been warned the first time. So he thought he had a stall call to give um, and was just trying to stay clear. Uh, didn't realize that um, another stall call was going to tie it up. And he did a good job of regrouping in the, the sudden victory. Um uh, period and, and coming away with a win because you know sometimes a shock to the system like that uh can cause things to to turn for the worse but he did a nice job of, of regrouping and, and getting after it and getting that winning move um the interesting thing i thought um as well with uh, uh his accomplishment he's now a four-time big 12 champion um he's uh the 11th wrestler in uh, conference history to win four titles in the Big 12 era, uh, which is listed as 1997 to present. So, you know, that's uh, uh, not including all the Big 8 days and, and stuff like that uh, with the conference that Iowa State's been in. But he's the second one to do it uh, for Iowa State joining K.O. Sanderson. So um, that's a uh, – that's a pretty uh, uh, good accomplishment for him. Right. And I suspect there probably aren't any in the big eight era. Cause back then there was uh, you know, like a Gable era, they freshmen are ineligible. So, right. Yeah, That's um, right. So there are either none or very few if there were, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not turning away from, from David here, but Iowa state had, you know, you know, we, you and I both had picked, you know, who's going to wrestle above their seed. We'd both picked Swiderski. And he he did it just like we thought. And then I yeah, I, I also picked um, I don't know if you remember, but I picked Johnson to uh, right because I thought he could, you know, he wasn't gonna be a 
big jump for him because he was already high seed. But he, you know, we know how good he can be. You know, he's all right. Good quality kids this, this year. So it's good to see him step up and win that title. Yeah, and you know, he avenged a lot. He lost to uh uh Brock Mahler in the in the duel. Yep. Um and he's he was able to avenge that and won 10 to 4. Had a nice uh he finished with three takedowns, but had a nice little uh kind of whip over or toss um for uh I think for four um as time expired. So uh kind of really finished things off. Um yeah, in he, pretty good fashion. So he's so explosive and and uh maintains great position and yeah he's he I mean you'll see that with with him. He's He's electric sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, I thought I thought Coleman, even though you know things kind of went uh, according to seed there, but I thought Coleman wrestled well. Thought he wrestled Kikaisen, um pretty well. Gave up uh, two early takedowns, but kind of wrestled even the rest of the final two periods. And remember, Coleman beat Aaron Brooks um, as well this season. You know, I, I think Coleman is somebody that certainly can Im improve his uh, his finish from a year ago. But with Kekaisen beating Coleman and Coleman beating Brooks, uh, and remember the – the NWCA All-Star meet does not count. No. Kekaisen could be the number one seed at Tulsa. We'll find out later this week, later today, um, where he is. But um, he could end up being the top seed at uh, at Nationals. So is, Kekai is Kekaisen undefeated then? Excuse I me. I think he has one loss to Hidley. Oh, yeah, Hidley. Sure. But yeah. then he avenged that loss uh, with a fall down in New Orleans, if you remember. Right. You're right. No, I think uh, I think Hidley beat him out at, at Vegas, mm -hmm. and then he avenged that um, a couple weeks later at uh, at New Orleans in the the collegiate duels. So that might throw throw a kink in it. So. You're right. There's a possibility. You'd think he's a, at worst number two, but be oh, nice yeah. number one. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that kind of that how that kind of plays out. Um, the other thing to mention, you know, heavyweight team Skyler uh, finished second. Um, not a huge surprise there. Uh, you know, he beat um, Elam in the semis from Missouri. Um, lost uh, Hendrickson. Uh, wasn't really in that match. Of course, we talked about Hendrickson being um, possibly, you know, him and uh, uh, Colt Schultz from Arizona State. Those two kind of being next in line after those top three from the Big Ten with pa uh, Mason Paris, uh, Kirk Vliet, and Cassiope. So, um, one other thing of note, too, uh, Tanner Sloan, he was a uh, runner-up at uh, 197, uh, lost a tough one um, 
in uh, tiebreaker one, the Rocky Elam of uh, Missouri. Uh, it was two to one. Uh, Elam won without an offensive point, which is kind of interesting. Of course, you know, Sloan just had the, the one escape, but uh, Elam had riding time in regulation, which sent it into overtime, tied 1-1. And then uh, he had the advantage in uh, riding time, getting a 30-second ride out, and that was his extra point. So essentially he won 2-1 to one on a minute and 30 seconds of riding time. Yeah. Uh, some other ones of note as well. We, we had mentioned uh, Midriff McGuire, who was a, ended up being a qualifier. Mm-hmm. He finished fifth at 33. And then uh, Cade DeVos was third, I believe, at uh, 174 for South Dakota State. And then uh, uh, Calvin Sun, Cal Sun out at uh, Air Force. Did not qualify, but I did hear from his dad, Troy, who evidently listens to the show. So and thanked us for the shout out. But Cal oh. ended up uh, ended up eight eighth and uh, just short of uh, of qualifying. So had a good season. Um, so we kind of mentioned uh, all of it in passing, but here directly, Iowa qualified all ten. Iowa State. Eight automatic qualifiers, you and I, five automatics, and then uh, the at-larges that went to Kale Happel and uh, Derek Holschlag at 41 and 157. So I'll run down the list of qualifiers since the at-larges were released yesterday. Um, here are the Iowa, Iowa State, you and I qualifiers and uh, a few others that were uh, uh, Iowa – for former Iowa preps, I guess the best way to really put it. Um, at 125, you had Spencer Lee, obviously, for Iowa. And then Jack Wagner, uh, former Bentdorf prep and uh, former UNI wrestler that is now uh, at uh, North Carolina. Uh, he qualified for the Tar Heels, uh, got, a, got an at-large bid uh, there. I actually think he started his career at Iowa, too, didn't he? Iowa, UNI? Could, could have. I, I think so. <laughs> yeah. um, then at 133, uh, Brody Teske for Iowa, Kyle Biscaglia of uh, UNI, Zach Redding of Iowa State, and then uh, McGuire Midkiff of North Dakota State and uh, Council Bluffs, Thomas Jefferson. Um, uh, that qualified uh, as well at 133. Uh, at 141, you have uh, uh, Real Woods, of uh, Iowa, Kale Happel of UNI, and Casey Swiderski of Iowa State. Uh, 149, you've got Max, Iowa's Max Muir and Iowa State's Panero Johnson, UNI's Colin uh, Real Buto, and then uh, former Crestwood, uh, New Hampton, UNI wrestler, uh, Michael Blockus of Minnesota that uh, qualified at 149. At 157, you've got Toby Siebrecht of Iowa, Derek Holschlag of UNI, and Jason uh, Kreiser of Iowa State in the field. Um, at 165, you've got Patrick Kennedy of Iowa, David Carr of Iowa State, looking for his second title, and then Austin Yant uh, of UNI. At 174, it's just Iowa's Nelson Brands, 
And then Cade DeVos, as you mentioned, uh, from South Dakota State, who wrestled at Southeast Polk. Uh, 184, you've got Iowa's Abe Assad, Parker Kekeisen of UNI, uh, Marcus Coleman of Iowa State. 197, uh, Iowa's Jacob Warner, Iowa State's younger Bastida. Uh, and then Tanner Sloan of uh, South Dakota State, who was a two-time champ uh, at Albernet. And then at heavyweight, you've got uh, Cassiope, Terrell Gordon, uh, Skyler of Iowa, UNI, Iowa State. And then you have Boone McDermott uh, of Rutgers. Uh, he wrestled at Iowa Central and is a former Dubuque Waller prep. So um, if I... Uh, uh, do the math here. Uh, let's see. That's 18, 25, 31 wrestlers for Iowa schools or uh, with Iowa ties. Nice. So I have a lot to watch for. for. Yeah. Happy, happy to see Boone get in there, but not surprised. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. He was seated sixth. Um, can't remember exactly where he finished, but I think he was close. Um, to that he's he's had a good year for for Rutgers. Um, so uh, I just mentioned uh, really quick since it was last weekend, uh, Grandview came away with uh, its eleventh NAIA championship. Um, they were in uh, Kansas City um, this last weekend. Uh, they had, I want to say they had, uh, uh, five champs, um, or maybe five finalists and three champs, um, from this weekend winning pretty handily over, uh, life university. Um, the Vikings scored 206 points and I think life, uh, uh, was about 50 points back. Uh, there, they actually had six finalists and three champs. Uh, Shea Ruffridge uh, won at 141, Owen Brongart uh, 197, and then I believe uh, former uh, uh, West Des Moines Dowling Prep, Greg Hagen, uh, won at heavyweight. Ruffridge uh, 141 um, is from Pocahontas area. And one thing about Ruffridge's performance. And the semifinals, I think we talked about this last week, Badruddin uh, Boldma from uh, Doan um, was looking for his fourth title. Um, and he had uh, a long win streak um, at stake. Uh, Ruffridge snapped that win streak in the semifinals in pretty dramatic fashion. Um, Boldma scored a takedown, I think, with about eight seconds to go. Uh, they went out of bounds and got a restart with six seconds left. And Ruffridge with a reversal off the restart and won six to five, snapping Goldman's win streak matches and uh, preventing him from winning a fourth uh, national title. And that 100-match win streak ranked and pushed Goldman to sixth all-time among all college divisions uh, for the longest win streak. So uh, pretty impressive uh, uh, performance by Ruffridge, uh, not just to win it all, but in that semifinals to, to kind of prevent history, I guess. 
that'd have been a fun one to see. I did not see that. That's incredible. That finishes like that just are make it all worthwhile to me. And Rutgers has had a great career. Mm-hmm. So that was, uh, not sure if I said it, but that was the 11th NAIA uh, team title for uh, the Grandview men. So pretty impressive. Yeah, congratulations. You, you know, and, you know, putting six in the finals and only coming away with three champs, you know they're not happy, but come on, that's that's so good. Jeez. Yeah. Well, every other uh, program in the nation would like that. So at least, you know. Well, yeah, when you can put half your team, you know, they can qualify up to 12. And to put half your team in the finals, I mean, that's that's astounding. I mean, not surprised Nick Mitchell's done uh, great things ever since he kind of took over there. So, again, great recruiter. Yep. Uh, then we have this week, we have the D2, D3 championships coming up. Uh, the D3 championships are in Roanoke. Is that correct? That is. Yeah. Um, that's- the Bell, something or other center, what's it called? I forget. Uh, nice place out there. Good place to have the national tournament. It was there in 2019. And, uh, yeah, they, they run a good tournament. The, uh, some of the area teams, um, the, for, uh, Co, um, their top four weight, weight classes qualified. Uh, L.J. Richardson at 74, uh, Westfall, Tristan Westfall at 84, Jared Voss at 97, and, and Caleb Reeves at, at uh, 285. Reeves is the number three seed. You know, I want to see the guy that beats him. Uh-huh. <laughs> we, we watched that last year, and, and really, Caleb beat himself, got a little anxious. He likes to do Greco and got a little – Kind of forced something a little bit. Early right? on in the match, yeah, and uh, in, in one of his early matches. Uh, anyway, then the other three are not seeded and did not get good draws, in my opinion. Um, Richardson drew the number one seeded uh, Mike, Michael Ross. Was a national runner-up last year, uh-huh. and a former uh, sweet mate of, of Kyle's. <laughs> anyway, then, and then uh, uh, Westfall and Voss drew the number of three seeds. Though I like Voss's, I'm not you know Voss has got a guy I'm familiar with. Kyle Russell, this kid, and, and Tech Paulding, and and uh, so you know he's a tall kid, likes to tie up wrists, and he'll give he'll give Jared some troubles if Jared isn't able to clear those and get some shots in, but. But uh, other than that, I think he's beatable. So um, then at Cornell, Jacob Scherzer, former Jayhawk, is uh, not uh-huh. seeded. He drew the number seven seed. So that's not a horrible draw there. So they t- in, in D2 and D3, they they seed the top eight, and then they draw the rest in. So you, you're, it's luck of the draw after that. So you really want to be that top eight for sure. And then when you're the top eight, you want to hopefully not get <laughs> the ninth best guy, you know, you know, they get the, you know it, or if they happen to m- misseed it, you know, a, a real tough draw there. So anyway, then uh, uh, University of Dubuque, uh, Coons Brothers won it. The twenty-five pounder is the eighth seed, and the thirty-three pounder is the is the fifth seed. And then at uh-huh. the yellow at uh, two eighty-five is not seeded. He drew the number six seed, and then uh, Luther. Um, McDonough at 149 was qualifier. He's not seeded, and he drew the number four seed. Uh, Donovan Cox is the fifth seed. Uh, and Loris, Loris, uh, uh, Shane Legal is the number one, uh, two, uh, number two seed. However, he and he and uh, um, Whitewater, uh, 
Shane uh, Shinholster. Shinholster is uh, mm-hmm. they've split this year. Uh, legal beat him, and then Shinholster came back and beat him. So that was a toss up there. Um, and he's the number two seed. Uh, Smith at 157 is the, the number three seed. Then uh, Kincaid and Pfizer, uh, Kincaid at 41 is a non-seed. He drew the number three seed. And Pfizer this, at 65 is the is not seeded. He drew the number three seed. So not great draws there either for those guys. They're going to have to wrestle hard that first round. Sure. A Warburg uh, um, and <laughs> refer to Warburg, Augsburg, and, John, and Johnson or Wales. So those are the top three teams. Actually, I think it might be even uh, Warburg, Johnson, and Wales, and Augsburg in the rankings. But anyway, those are the top three teams. So Warburg, honestly, if they don't win this, they really fell up on the mat and on the way out there or something. I don't know how they're not going to win this. And honestly, I don't know how they didn't win the national duels, but we'll see. They, uh, they have seven wrestlers, and they're all seated. Five of them in the top five. So they have two number one seeds in Tarakina at, at, at 41 and Rump at, at 49. They have two number two seeds in, in the Fuller at uh, actually three number two seeds. Fuller at 65, Mulder at 74, and, and Endine, Endine at 84. Am I see, read, reading that right? Uh-huh. Right. And then... Uh, um, no, I did not read that right. Hollingsworth is the first seat, not Rump. Rump is the fifth seat at 149. Hollingsworth is the number one seat at 57. Sorry, uh, David. <laughs> and then uh, and then uh, Pins, Joe Pins from Hampstead is at 133 is, is the seventh seat. So uh, it's really Warburg's to lose, if you ask me. And here's why I say that. The, be- the next best team to, qual- to compare them to is Augsburg, who has – they have eight wrestlers there and they're all seated, but their highest seed is a fourth seed and they only have two of those. And then oh, really? is a sixth seed and they only have two of those. So then you've got one, two, three, four, seventh seeds. So, I mean, it, it's, you know, that's really, like I said, work works. And Johnson and Wales, Johnson and Wales got some bad draws. <laughs> so they have two number one seeds, their 25 pounder and their 74 pounder in Ross at 74. And then, <laughs> They have a, a number two seed at 149, and then their, their non-seeded wrestlers drew, two of them drew the number two seed, and one of them drew the number five seed, Coons, from, from uh, UD. So um, it's going to be tough for Johnson and Wales to, to, to hunt for that title, if you ask me. So um, really, I think it's going to be Warburg, Augsburg, and he's not even close. Uh so we'll keep an eye on how uh, D3 plays out. Uh, D2 uh, this week, Friday and Saturday, will be at the Allied Energy Powerhouse, uh, hosted by Upper Iowa. Um, things kick off uh, Friday at 10 a.m. with uh, preliminary matches and uh, in the first round, uh, second session with uh, second round championship matches. Uh, Early consolations uh, will be at, uh, at 5 p.m. on Friday. Uh, then on Saturday, things get started at 10 a.m. again with the championship semis and uh, corresponding uh, consolations, and they'll wrestle all the way through the third, fifth, and seventh place uh, matches there. And then the championship matches uh, are set for 7 o'clock on Saturday night. Um, Upper Iowa has uh, uh, 
four wrestlers in the field. Um, Central Oklahoma, uh, they uh, they kind of lead the way with uh, uh, qualifying all ten. Uh, Lander uh, from South Carolina, uh, they're next at nine, and then you have uh, uh, Pittsburgh Johnston uh, from uh, Pennsylvania. Of course, uh, I think a lot of people remember that. Uh, program Carlton Hasselrig wrestled there. Uh, the strip mad Jody Stripmatter wrestled there before transferring to the University of Iowa. Um, they have eight as well as uh, West Liberty, uh, not West Liberty, Iowa, but West Liberty, uh, uh, the school out in West Virginia. Uh, they have eight Gannon and uh, the University of Indianapolis each have seven. Of course, you'll know. Uh, you'll recognize University of Indianapolis because they always have that Midwest Classic uh, tournament, uh, big D2 uh, uh, tournament, um, kind of around uh, the Christmas break. A um, couple others of note, um, uh, University of Nebraska Kearney, uh, they have six qualifiers as uh, as does St. Cloud State. So uh, those are... Uh, individuals you really uh or, or or schools that you know even though they don't have the numbers that some of the other teams do uh they're going to be uh in contention as well because more so than quantity uh it's the quality and the, the tough competitors that they have um coming with them and of course at uh upper iowa you know they've uh I was telling J.R. Ogden this before. I, I want to say they came down with four wrestlers one other time for the Nationals and came away with a team trophy or at least the top four, top five finish once um, because they put a couple into the finals and had a champ. And uh, they bring four down this weekend. Uh, you had Tate Murdy at 141. Eric Fought, who I believe is a former – Clear Creek, or no, not Clear, Clear Lake uh, wrestler. Uh, Chase Lensman, who's from uh, Monticello, uh, is back at 165. And then you have Coulter By, who is a former Crest, uh, Crestwood um, wrestler at 184. Of course, Tate Murdy. Uh, I don't think he's from South Tama, but I think his dad um, has South Tama uh roots as well so a lot of uh uh local ties among the, the upper iowa wrestlers and of course uh uh tate murdy um will have the winner of one of the the preliminary matches he's the number eight seed um at 141 um and then uh eric fought has a preliminary match um, against a wrestler from uh, the Colorado School of Mines, Carter uh, Nori. What was that? The School of Mines. You know, I'm a <laughs> Western State grad, and my uh, my alma mater will be in town for the B2. So, <laughs> oh, really? I'm familiar with the School of Mines, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, Chase Lensman is actually the number three seed. Uh, at 165, he's got Caden Hart uh, from Nebraska Kearney um, right out of the gate. So uh, 
pretty sure they're probably uh, uh, familiar with one another there. Um, and then at uh, uh, 184, uh, we mentioned Coulter By. Uh, he drew the uh, four seed right out of the gate. Uh, that's Logan Hall of Lander, uh, who's uh, 30 and three right now. So, uh, pretty uh, pretty big challenge right out of the gate. But I'm sure who Lander wrestles during the regular season. So, um, I would probably bet that Upper Iowa has a much tougher uh, schedule than than Lander does during the regular season. But um, we'll see how. Culture by is able to to do here uh, with that uh, that first round matchup, and that's the thing with Division Two, and even more so, I think, with Division Three, because mm -hmm. it's so spread out that the seeds are pretty. It's hard, you know. A lot of times they're pretty good, but especially those upper ones are pretty close. And then, uh, but you know, some of those other ones, you never know. There's going to be so many different seeded wrestlers get upset that first round just because. They're coming from you know way out east and midwest or way out west in division two and you know so wherever they may be coming from and uh it's just uh it's hard to see them because they don't get around like the d1 schools do right and we've seen you know we've seen d1 or not d1 but uh uh we've seen top seeds lose early yes we have <laughs> you know just, just because like you said they don't have a lot of uh, you know, common opponents or, or head to heads. And, you know, sometimes that can be uh, pretty, pretty tough where, you know, sometimes don't want to see things are inflated a little bit, but, you know, um, sometimes those, uh, those records aren't, uh, indicative of where wrestlers might compare to each other just because of that, um, right? That regular season schedule, right? And you also we saw that actually last weekend at the NAIs. You know, you saw a few upsets there. But again, there's right. the uh, I, I I'm curious. The Lundsman was uh, the third seed and finished third in his regional. So I, I kind of looked at that a little bit, and he, there must have been some back and forth. And so he, he can't be too disappointed with the third seed there. Right, right. Um, yeah, he, he's probably pretty pretty happy, pretty fortunate that uh, he's got that. But, you know, he, he's had some uh, – I uh, believe he's a former All-American. So, you know, hopefully he's got uh, – one more run in them. Be nice if they could put a couple up there at least. Yeah, right, right. Uh, so NAIA women will have their national championship uh, uh, this week. It's up at Jamestown, North Dakota. Um, that'll be March 10th and 11th here. Uh, they had 11 automatic qualifiers and one uh, at-large qualifier. So they're taking the whole, uh, you know, the max uh, down there. Uh, Automatic qualifiers are Jazz Alexander uh, at 101, Kaylin Campbell at 116, Katie Campbell, uh, freshman, I believe, was freshman, co freshman of the year uh, in the Heart of America Conference. Um, 
at 123. She's joined in the weight class by Maya Davis. Uh, at 130, it's Andrea uh, Schleybaugh. Uh, Isabella Gonzalez at 130. Alexis Gomez at 143. Uh, Mahalalani uh, Ramirez uh, at 155. And she's jo joined by Madison Diaz, who uh, we know uh, um, uh, Madison from uh, wrestling at Waverly Shellrock. Um, at 170, the former Glenwood uh, prep, Abby McIntyre qualified. Uh, Shanita Lawson uh, made it at 170, and then Olivia Brown uh, at 191 um, as well. So, uh, you know, the, the Grandview Women's Program uh, uh, loaded for their national title, as we mentioned. Uh, that'll be up at... Uh, uh, Jamestown, um, they had, uh, you know, they're coming off a uh, conference uh, a championship. Um, they had uh, their best finish at the NWCA duels when they were running up uh, uh, there in January. Um, you know, they've been ranked for uh, a part, number one part of the season, um, you know, and, and they went undefeated in, in duels. So, um, you know, you, you got to like their chances, uh, to really contend, you know, you've got really good programs at the NAIA level, right. Uh, for women with life and Indiana tech and, and some others like that, but, uh, you got to think that they're posed for, a uh, pretty decent, uh, uh, finish and, and probably, um, in position to to grab a, a trophy of some kind uh, up at Jamestown. Yeah, you think that ready to go on that? We'll see how what happens. So uh, that should do it for uh, for this week. Uh, AJ, I can mention this real quickly. Oh, sure. Not specifics, but at the junior college level, on the men's oh. side, Iowa Western finished third with uh, two champs and a runner-up. Iowa Central was seventh with a champ. And uh, Indian Hills uh, was ninth with a runner-up and a third. And then um, Ellsworth was 15th. And um, there was one other Iowa. Oh, Nyack. Nyack was 19th. So that's on the, on the men's side. And on the women's side, uh, I don't know how they how they run this on the women's side because because Indian Hills won it with 287 points. Wow, 287 points with 17 qual uh, medalists, four champs and a runner up, and then a whole bunch of medalists. I don't know how that works. I then Iowa West was third. Iowa Central was fourth. Uh, Nyack was eighth, and Ellsworth was tenth. So anyway, there's there's kind of the Iowa rundown on that briefly. So some some good representation there is especially as things continue to grow it's it's exciting to see right so um a lot of action is still in front of us here the next uh a week and a half uh we'll uh we'll be back uh next week to to kind of run down uh what happened this weekend and then d2 d3 and the other uh championships and then we'll also break down uh the uh, 
the D3 or the D1 brackets. Uh, I would be remiss if I didn't uh, mention this. Uh, the one little prep note or the high school note to mention. Uh, Brad Smith officially announced his retirement um, mm -hmm. after his second stint at uh, uh, Lisbon, told his team at their end of the war, uh, end of the season awards banquet on Monday night. Um, so after 45 years, he's going to, uh, uh, just kind of step down, said he won't be, I think his words were, I told them, I'm not going to ghost them. Um, I'll be back. I'll be in the room whenever I can. Um, but he did mention the fact that for 45 years, they haven't been able to do anything for Christmas break. Um, you know, because they've had workouts and he wanted to be close for his wrestlers in case they needed him. Uh, he said, same with Thanksgiving. Uh, didn't really, you know, didn't really have big breaks there. You obviously know uh, the demands during that time where you can't really go and and travel probably the way you'd want to or go visit people like you, you'd want to because of the demands. Uh, but he mentioned that... Uh, He'll be able to go up there, be able to do those things during break. Finally, uh, him and his wife, Connie, and his, uh, be able to visit their, their sons, Jacob, uh, Cody and Colton, uh, and their grandchildren now. So, uh, I think the way he worded it is, uh, I'll be able to go and see those guys, be able to go to the room. Uh, but I'll be able to do those other things and not, you know, uh, he'll have the freedom to be able to do those other things that uh, you know, he wasn't able to do in the past. But, I mean, just an amazing career uh, overall, 704 wins, 19 titles, uh, 64 state champs, 37 wrestlers to win 64 individual titles, 306 state qualifiers. It's amazing. I mean, it's unparalleled. It's not even close. And uh... – you know, and, you know, so congratulations to, to, to uh, Brad and Connie. <laughs> you know, Brad gets all of the credit, but come on, Connie. I know, I know you were at all those freestyle meets and she, you've done a heck of a job too. So yeah, good for them. <laughs> she, uh, she did a lot of work behind the scenes and, and like you, like you said, you know, it's time to kind of give back to, you know, Connie and the boys who sacrificed a lot for him to be able to, to do something he loved. And uh, the one thing I thought was interesting, you know, we talked about, uh, you know, we mentioned 704 career dual wins, you know, 19 total team championships, 12 traditional titles, uh, team titles, um, coached uh, five four-timers at, at one time, you know, five out of the 32 uh, Iowa four-time champs. Uh, I think there are seven more three-timers that he coached um, that went on to win, you know, national titles and stuff like that. Um, he said, I just want to – I would like to be remembered for somebody that worked hard and did everything I could and tried to be a better coach each year and just the fact that he had a good rapport with his athletes. And I thought that was really, really cool. And uh, the fact that he was he was most happy about the wrestlers that went on to become good people 
all he said all the winning was important, sure, but it's better to fight, you know, to see how they go on and become, you know, better people, you know, get back to the sport as well as coaches, you know. But that was pretty pretty cool to hear him uh, uh, mention. Now, and you know, that's especially impressive, you know, with that Lisbon crew that he had to deal with. <laughs> <laughs> Adam Dees and you guys, Ryan Hall, and uh, I mean, about Royce Alger and those guys, you know, so. <laughs> uh, that's right. Quite a crew. Yeah. Quite a crew that came through that uh, that room, either as wrestlers or coaches. So, yeah. <laughs> but. Uh, so we'll be back next week to, to break down uh, this weekend's action and the D1 brackets uh, that should be re released uh, later on here. And uh, Coach, any other uh, uh, parting words? Uh, good show. All right. Well, let's send us out and we'll see you all next week. Let's keep wrestling on the move. Get a daily update from the Gazette with our daily news podcast. Add it to your podcast player or your Alexa-friendly device to get a bite-sized local news update each day. Check it out at thegazette.com slash podcasts.